Well, uh, Acts chapter 2, which I'll get to just in a moment, but uh, tonight's topic, the gift of tongues, and uh, I'm just going to have an honest heart-to-heart chat with you tonight, because for such a long time, this particular subject has been a controversial topic. It's created uh, a lot of confusion. Uh, It's been divisive. There are so many opinions in regards to this. In fact, it's uh, caused a lot of churches to split, a lot of denominations split. And some would say, well, what sort of gift is this if it's so divisive? Um, We don't argue over the gift of love or other spiritual gifts as much as we have done in the past. And so I guess right from word go, I want to say this, that the vision and mission here at Door of Hope Christian Church is crystal clear. What I mean by that is that we know who we are and we are confident in that calling. And so I want to talk about that just in a moment. The second thing I would say right from word go to you tonight is this, that this is not about stirring up massive debates and we're certainly not going on a tangent uh, as a church, but rather tonight we're going to explore what the Bible has to say in regards to this topic. Now, oftentimes when it comes to this gift, the pendulum swings widely one way or the other. And so let me address, before I go any further, the four different types of people who are sitting in the room here tonight, or at home, of course. The first group are a group of people who are excited about this topic. Finally, finally, we get to talk about this topic. Now, the second group, the second group are kind of going, okay, well, we read about it in Scripture, Um, we're curious and we're certainly not opposed to it the third group of people sitting streaming tonight here are those who would think wait on this is a little weird in fact is it of God wasn't it for Bible days and not our days the fourth group of people sitting here tonight listening to this message are those people who are completely horrified what I mean by that, of all the days I come to church or I invited someone to come to church, we're speaking about this subject. And so, wrapping this little part up, I want to say that some of you, in fact, are going to love what I've got to share tonight. Some of you uh, are disappointed uh, that I won't go far enough, and some of you won't, in fact, believe at all. And that's okay. That's okay. And so uh, I just want to declare over us here tonight that this passage or this topic is not going to divide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And so all of us, all four groups, what we're going to do just for a moment, we're all just going to take a deep breath. Anytime during this message you're feeling a little anxious or on the other part, on the other side, you might feel a little excited. Uh, We're going to remind ourselves what we're actually doing tonight is actually reading the Bible. That's what we're doing. We're reading the Bible. Um, Reminder, by the way, this series uh, is entitled what? Supernatural. And of course, the supernatural bypasses the natural. And so uh, we've been talking about these kind of things because it's in the Bible and it's the supernatural. 
and uh, it's quite exciting to a certain extent and I'm really looking forward to share. But my promise to you, I guess, before I go any further, that this is going to be a healthy message. It's certainly not going to be a condemning message. I am not an expert on this topic and I don't think you are either. And so I think we're on the same page and so I also want to say that I'm not here to convince anyone. I'm not here to force anything on anyone. And so we're going to dive in. With all that said and done, you know I need some prayer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence, for your power, and for your Holy Spirit. For too long, this topic has brought division. And right now, I speak unity. I speak health and I speak clarity and I pray that you would grant me the wisdom to speak with compassion with love and with hope our hearts are open to you and to your word right now it's in Jesus name we pray amen all right let's get into this because if you have your bibles there in front of you feel free to open it to 1 corinthians chapter 14 we're going to be spending some time in 1 corinthians tonight we're going to move into acts chapter 2 as i mentioned there a moment ago and um, if you've got your smartphones smart devices feel free to open the bibles uh, on your smart devices to you version my name's steve i'm the pastor here at door of hope and what a privilege it is to bring god's living word and opening that with us tonight because um According to Scripture, speaking in tongues is this. It's the act or practice of verbally speaking to God in a language that is unknown to the speaker. It's a language that has not been learnt. And mostly, it's a language that's well, very private. Whether you sing, you speak it um, uh, in tongues, it's certainly not the, the mark of being a Christian. It's not a badge of superiority. It's not the most important gift. It's supernatural. It's a supernatural gift. And uh, to our logical minds, it can be a little odd if we're a little honest. And I think it's important to understand that the focus of this gift is on the giver of the gift, not the gift itself. And what I mean by that is that this gift is all about and for God. Which brings me to this word tonight, culture. Culture. Because what shapes us, probably more than anything else in some ways, is this idea of culture. That everything has culture. What I mean by that is that your family has culture. Your school has culture a culture your workplace has a culture your marriage has a culture our nation even has a culture and churches are in fact no different to that now some would say uh, when it comes to the church setting some churches would say you have to do it loud and you have to do it proud some churches would say we believe in it but just not in the church some would, in fact, skip over the book of Acts altogether and say, well, that was for Bible days, it's not for our days. And so before I really get into speaking about this topic, I want you to know, or maybe even remind you, what our church's culture, Door of Hope Christian Church's culture, is what we're trying to develop here at Door of Hope. 
and excuse me as I kind of read this through. I've just written a few notes. And um, uh, it's, I guess our guide comes from the book of Matthew. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, a well-known passage, is entitled The Great Commission. This is one of the most significant passages in the Bible. Uh, it's the last recorded personal instruction given by Jesus to his disciples to take action whilst on this earth. Specific action. And so it's the end of a gospel and it's the beginning of faith in action. This is a game changer. And I guess as a church, we take our guide from this to develop a culture where Jesus said in Matthew 28, where all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. That's Matthew 28. We take our guide as a church from there. And so we say that Jesus' last commandment must be our first priority. And so I'll just read just a few things that I've written down this last couple of weeks preparing this message about our culture here at Door of Hope. Door of Hope exists to fulfill the great commission of Jesus, reaching people far from God baptizing them, discipling them, and sending them. We talk in ways people understand and speak into topics that are real and relevant. We are confident in this calling and invite other Christians into this endeavor. Now, whilst we are very accepting of a wide range of views, we intentionally take a clear, straightforward, biblical approach to the theology of church, which describes a community of Christians radically inclusive of people far from God, but are interested in exploring a spiritual journey. We will never be a church that pulls down other churches or their cultures. Second thing is important to understand before we move any further is culture. A little bit of background in regards to Corinth and the church in Corinth. And this is who Paul is writing to because it's a melting pot of cultures and religions. It really is. It was known for its wealth, first of all, but it was also very well known for its sexual immorality. They're a little rough around the edges. In fact, they didn't know that sexual immorality was wrong. Um, they had a number of problems when it came to communion. They drank too much wine. In fact, way too much that they would get drunk um, a whole lot. There were socioeconomic problems at the time. <clears throat> there were marital difficulties based upon their faith, and they were trying to figure this all out as a church. Um, people were coming from <clears throat> everywhere. And so they were very much a, a spiritually um, expressive church. Uh, most of them would speak in tongues, um, but they were using it as a badge of superiority. And they lost sight of, <clears throat> of the greater gift, which I'll get to in a moment. And so what's happening within the church, this is the culture, is that there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of chaos. And Paul is concerned by this because it's becoming destructive, but also divisive in the church. And so back to my point, back to my point, because there was a time in the book of Acts uh, when this was introduced to us, and we just had that clip there a moment ago, where everyone who was listening heard it in their 
own language, that they were speaking in a tongue they didn't know, but the people listening understood every word that they were saying. So therefore, in this instance, it was a sign for unbelievers. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 8, let's read this in its entirety. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. By the word, that word Pentecost, um, if you break it down, I won't go into all the detail, but it's pretty much 50 days, the word Pentecost means 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right, that's what the word Pentecost means. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Verse 7, Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is that each of us hears them in our native language? We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. These two words, say them with me, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, well, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. This is where Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning in this instance it was a sign for unbelievers my second point which brings me to in scripture it's and it's this it's tongues for interpretation tongues for interpretation you see when someone speaks in tongues publicly in a church gathering in a setting like we do at church the Bible teaches there should always be interpretation. Let's go back to our passage that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, chapter 14, verse 5. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, Paul says, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies, this is Danny's message last week, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. I love, love what he says. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. He's bragging a little bit there, right? But he goes on. But in the church, I would rather speak five intelligent, intelligible words. I wonder what those would be, by the way. I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Press pause because it's an important note here right now. The difference between interpretation and translation. And I'll explain it a little bit like this. You see, translation is word for word. Maybe, maybe I'll explain it like this. Um, <clears throat> we have uh, three cats. 
please, please pray for us. We have three cats at home. And sometimes Karen will interpret what each of the cats are saying. <laughs> They're either hungry, hungry, or, no, no. They're either hungry or they, they do need to be fed or they need to be picked up, etc., etc. And so Karen's... Um, um, she's trying to interpret what the cats are saying you may have a dog right and you're interpreting what the dog i know it's a lame illustration but come with me just for a moment because interpretation um it's not a translation it's a sense it's a sense of what god is saying and so that's the difference let's come back verse 27 to 28 in 1 corinthians 14 if anyone speaks in a tongue paul says two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. <clears throat> There's this old story uh, of this guy who stood up in his church to give a message in tongues. And he speaks it out and he says, Sio, Sie, Sio, Ale, Sio, Sie. And the pastor gets up in front of the congregation and says, does anyone have an interpretation to that? And one guy stands up and says, C-O-C-A, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Now, that's as funny as I get tonight. All right, so hang in there. I don't know if you're laughing at home. It's just, anyway, let's come back. Let's come back. Verse 23, verse 23 says, So, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? And that's why the Bible says specifically, if someone speaks in tongues publicly, there is to be an interpretation. Third thing, and that is this, tongues for intercession. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'll just stop there for a moment and think about that for a moment. Aren't you thankful for that? In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans you ever had moments like that where you just don't know how to get those words out and it just takes over anyway so it helps you pray uh, for others it helps you pray more freely it helps you pray under pressure it's that working together with God which brings me to the fourth one and that's probably the most common one that's operating and that's tongues for personal prayer life uh, verse 4 in chapter 14 says, A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. And Paul was emphasizing that's important to strengthen the entire church. Uh, one of the translations says to, to edifies one. And so edifies means to, to build up, to to strengthen, to improve. It strengthens the person speaking, not the entire church. So um, tongues for personal prayer life. But with those four things said, I now want to lean into a couple of verses in chapter 14 for the remaining time. <clears throat> Let's read. It says this, For anyone who speaks in a tongue 
does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. For if I, he says, for if I pray in a tongue, it's a choice, you don't have to, Paul says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. He's asking the question, so what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. What he's doing here is he's separating it into two different types of prayers. One with the mind. What's the mind? The mind is your soul. It's your, uh, your, your mind, your will, your emotions. Paul's saying that I've prayed from my feelings. I've prayed with my emotions. I've prayed with my understanding. But I'm not going to leave praying in the Spirit out of things here. And he's reminding us, of course, that we are a spirit with a body, not the other way around. Because there will come a day for each of us that our bodies will be gone. And Paul is saying, do both, do both. Pray with my understanding, he says, and I'll pray with my spirit, which allows me to pray allows me to worship, allows me to intercede more effectively, Paul is saying. Now, if you're still wrestling with this, it's okay. I want you to know that. It's okay to wrestle with this. In fact, directly after this service, we're inviting you into a conversation via Zoom. And you'll find a link um, wherever, however you're connected with us there, you'll find a link um, for our Zoom conversation after this service. If you'd like to have a conversation, you don't need to ask any questions. Some other people might ask some questions uh, and you're more than welcome to join us on that conversation at the end of our service. I'll explain a little bit more later on about that. Acts chapter two, let's go to back to that passage. Remember those two words? What were they? Amazed and perplexed i love that word amazed and perplexed they asked one another what does this mean some however made fun of them and said they've had too much wine and that's where uh, peter stands up doesn't he but uh, you kind of look at that and okay well what's changed what's changed uh, perplexed by the way in the greek means to be entirely at a loss which means i don't understand this it doesn't make sense this is just weird once again can i say to you it's okay it's okay to wrestle with this the bible records um tension around this topic having said that can i also ask you a question tonight and it's this what if what if the speaking in tongues isn't gibberish what if it's a language what if is it possible it could be a heavenly language is it possible that it could be very very powerful can i conclude in these next few moments by saying this all of us have gifts all of us have abilities and talents, and that makes us a part of the body of Christ. You know, tonight we've been spending, we've been camping most of the time in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let's go back a couple of chapters 
to chapter 12 and it'll start to make a little bit more sense. Remember, context and culture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues do all interpret now eagerly desire the greater gifts this is a little confusing right now because what does he mean what is the greater gift which one because he even says first are apostles Second, are prophets, and he goes down the list as if he is categorizing them, like the gold medal goes to the apostles. And he says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so we've got to ask that question, which then, which one is the greater gift? Because in this case, tongues is last. He hasn't finished. He hasn't finished. The verse goes on and says this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. As if he hadn't yet told us what the greater gift was. And here's the answer, sandwiched right between chapters 12 and chapters 14 is this chapter 13, known as the love chapter which is read out at so many weddings that I've certainly done over the years and here's what he does he gives a whole teaching about love in the context of gifts in the context of gifts sandwiched right between he says don't forget don't forget the greater gift the very first of chapter 13 says if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but do not have what but do not have love I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal what he's saying is I'm just a noise come on Zach give us one give us one just the just the cymbals that's that's all it is that's all it is and unfortunately 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 many Christians and many unchurched people as well anytime they've heard of this idea of tongues it's been without love and it comes across exactly what we've just heard as a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal on their own, they're not that great, but with a setting, with a group like this, which we're about to hear from once again in a moment, it's extraordinary. And so chapter 13 ends like this, and now these three remain, Paul says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is what? Is love. And so when he gets to the first verse of chapter 14, you can almost hear the tension in his writing where he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak, remember that? I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Jesus loves you, I know. Maybe. 
<laughs> Five words. And so, let's finish up. Two camps, those who believe in this and those who don't. And that's where over centuries, the arguments and the divisiveness and the toxicity kinds of comes into this conversation. And you know what Paul would say to us tonight? That's easy. Anyone can argue about that kind of stuff. But what Paul is really saying is this, forget all the arguing. Don't focus so much on the gifts, but focus on the giver of the gifts. Remember what Paul said? He said, desire it. Desire it. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts. And here endeth the lesson. My message tonight in a nutshell is exactly that. It's to pursue love, but earnestly seek the spiritual. Pursue love, but earnestly seek the spiritual. I want to finish with this quote and I'm done. Erwin McManus wrote about spiritual gifts and I really like what he said here and it's going to be on the screen, but I'm going to read this. Even when you're using spiritual gifts right, they're not the substance. They're the seasoning, the salty, the savory, the sour, and the sweet. But the core is actually these three ingredients, faith, hope, and love. If you're going to allow God to make you an exquisite expression of His genius, you need to realize the primary ingredients of being human and being a human community are faith, hope, and love. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 14, is trying to say, stop trying to build your palate around the seasoning and miss out on the meal. Because the essence of being human and of creating a human community is faith, hope and love live by faith be known by love be a voice of hope but the main causes of human experience is love and people are searching for it everywhere and finding it rarely let me pray for us here tonight Father fill us afresh again with your love fill us with your spirit fill us with your passion for your purpose help us we pray to follow the way of love and to eagerly desire the gifts you see as we pray here tonight so sense what's happening here, but also for you, where you find yourself, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is available to you. What I mean by that is that you do not have to live spirit-less. Tonight, maybe for the very first time, as we close our eyes, as I pray for you, that you can be filled with the wind of God, with the power of God to live that supernatural life, in a very natural world. Because I want to pray over you tonight that He wants to guide you. He wants to comfort you. He wants to convict you. And He wants to empower you. And so tonight, where you are, if you hear my voice, if you want to be empowered by the Spirit, would you pray this prayer with me that tonight I want to be 
filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be empowered with the Holy Spirit. I want to be more aware of His direction and guidance within my life. I keep doing things my way and I want to go His way. May the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, be your counselor, be your helper, be your intercessor. Heavenly Father, right now, through this stream, would you draw people into relationship with your son, Jesus? May he be their savior. The Bible teaches us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so just in this moment, pray this prayer. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, transform me. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, make me more like you. Thank you for new life. Now, take all of mine. Come on, team, lead us in this final song together in Jesus' name.